I'm Hannah Trum, and this is the Hypocritical Podcast. Risk is everywhere in business, operations, finance, staffing, technology, and it should go without saying that risk management must be at the forefront of your organization's security plan. A proactive approach can come with a hefty price tag, something that can be a hard selling point for many C-suites. So how should organizations approach cybersecurity or assessing its attack surface, or more importantly, mitigating risk? As today's guest says, risk is a language business understands. Fred Kwong, CISO of Delta Dental, the largest dental benefits carrier in the United States, joins me on today's episode. We discuss how organizations can approach upgrading their IT stack, why cybersecurity training is important, and what security leaders should stop doing. Hi, Fred. Thanks so much for joining us today. Could you please provide us with some background about yourself and about Delta Dental? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Hannah. Uh, So my name is Fred Kwong. I'm the uh, CISO and AVP here at uh, Delta Dental Plans Association. I've been with the organization. Uh, for roughly about five years now. And uh, a little bit about Delta Dental, we cover about a third of the U.S. uh, in regards to dental insurance and uh, dental well-being. So happy to be here today. That's amazing. Uh, When I was doing some research about you, I saw that your education and your career paths are pretty different. Uh, Could you give us some information about yourself and your work experience and how you actually ended up at Delta Dental? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of grew up through IT and, and call it the school of hot, hard knocks of sorts. So my <laughs> career started at a uh, an organization that uh, ended up being an outsourcer, and I worked on uh, the help desk for AOL. Uh, so this was, so for those of you that are younger, probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But hey, I know it, what AOL is, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it was kind of the B, you know, internet company at the time, really providing that uh, ISP service. Definitely. Uh, and I, I kind of grew my career from uh, working there at the help desk to then kind of being um, a network cable monkey, if you want to call it that, and learning my way through networking, uh, eventually taking on server administration as well, um, and then kind of continue to grow my career through the infrastructure track of IT, uh, ultimately moving into security and then becoming the CISO uh, at Del Dento. And from a schooling perspective, it's kind of interesting because I initially went to school for computer science. Uh, and after doing that for about a semester, I, I was like, I am not a programmer. I'm terrible at this. <laughs> Uh, and it really wasn't where my passion was, right? My passion was really around the hardware side of the uh, house. Definitely. Um, but at the time, the school that I went to, anything related to computers fell into two, kind of two camps, right? You were mm-hmm. either in computer science or computer engineering. And I wasn't as interested in like putting together circuitry and microboards, right? From that mm-hmm. perspective, I was just more interested in kind of the infrastructure side of IT, uh, you know, building computers and PCs and those types of things. So again, you know, uh, from a regular schooling perspective, it just wasn't fitting what I wanted to do from a career perspective. Uh, and so I ended up leaving school, uh, working full time, doing these help desk roles. And then eventually I went back to school and uh, I got my undergrad in psychology and professional communication because I always had an interest in people and behaviors. And as you can imagine, working in the help desk, right, you, you know, you hear and see a lot of different people's frustrations and having that kind of background really kind of helps you understand where they're coming from and how that you could 
service those people best. Um, I totally agree. As someone who's not very tech savvy, it is really nice whenever I have to call a help desk that they're just polite and they they explain things to me in a way that I can understand. So that's cool that your psychology background can definitely help you in your current position. Yeah. So so from there, I went on and I did do an MBA because I was interested in moving more into a management position uh, with an MIS concentration. I figured at that point, I really do probably need to put some sort of, you know, ITIS type of uh, degree under my name. So Mm -hmm. I I had my MBA with the concentration. And then through that process, I went through a leadership course, which really brought me to organization development, where which is where my PhD is out of. And organization for development, for those that aren't familiar with it, is really uh, one way of looking at it is psychology for businesses, right? Or a, a group of people that can really help develop culture inside an organization. Uh, and again, those things really fascinated me, especially with my undergrad uh, background as well. Um, and doing the things that I, I did in IT, you know, IT is not just the technology. We all know there's also people and processes that go along with it. And so yep. I, I followed that passion, right? Because I, I felt it was really interesting. And so that's why my technology skill set is really from either certifications, my own uh, reading or kind of school of hard knocks. And my educational background is really more on the uh, either business side or the understanding of people or, um, and how to uh, really drive culture change within organizations, uh, which is really important actually in the uh, CISO uh, job experience now. I totally agree uh, because, you know, to make cybersecurity or security or IT fun or topical for your employees, you have to kind of do it. You have to come down to their level. Many organizations see cybersecurity or being proactive or building a proactive IT security stack as costly and without a clear plan for ROI. How do you approach cybersecurity and IT security within your organization? So for our organization, when I built the the program here at DDPA, I focused it on risk management. And the reason I did that is because risk is a language that the business understands, right? Whether it's Mm -hmm. financial risk or operational risk or cyber risk, right? They ultimately, if you think about what cyber risk is, it leads up to one of those other types of risks, right? You either have a reputation risk from a brand perspective, you either have an operational risk uh, in terms of an outage or uh, unavailability unavailability, excuse me, of systems, um, or you have a financial risk, right, in terms of uh, a loss of data, a loss of um, IP, uh, and those can all be quantifiable. So if you're tying your security program with risks, you can actually speak the language that your executives speak, and in that sense, help them understand where is the ROI when it comes to building out your cyber program. Um, and you work with them to build that. You don't want to do it in a, in a vacuum, right? So mm-hmm. working with them, helping them understand how much risk that they want to accept associated with the different threat vectors that could uh, be associated with your organization is really key into making that program successful. So when you go ask for dollars and you say it mitigates X percent of risk associated with a financial, operational, or brand risk, those are terms they understand and are then more willing to help support your program. It's all about speaking the language of your C-suite, definitely. Uh, What would you say is one thing that every security leader should start and stop doing? 
Uh, one thing that they should start doing if they're not already is making sure that they understand what your business is and what is it trying to do as an organization, right? As a CISO, you really need to be a business thought leader, right? And helping to champion your products or services that your organization is performing. Mm -hmm. And with that, security is not the lever of saying no, right? It's providing the knowledge in terms of how do we do these things in a secure manner and in a manner that is acceptable from a risk perspective. You know, if we had no risk tolerance, right? All our computers would be Mission Impossible style, right? With top mm-hmm. boots coming down into a <laughs> vacuum room and, you know, all those things. But the reality is we all take on a certain amount of risk as an organization just to be in business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just need to make sure that our security program helps accelerate the business, not hinder it, right? When it comes to providing those products and services, but making sure at the same time that leadership is aware of the risk that we're taking on. You know, I look at my role as more of a consultative role in that sense, uh, in terms of helping them understand if we move one direction, uh, it'll cost us this, or we move another direction, we're taking on a potential substantial risk, right? Mm -hmm. And are these the right decisions for our organization, right? And helping them navigate or steer through those decision mechanisms. Would you say there's anything off the top of your head that you think that security leaders should immediately stop doing besides sending faxes, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I think the other thing is to uh, stop uh, hitting our executive team with uh, useless KPIs, right? Or key performance Mm -hmm. uh, indicators, right? Uh, Things like uh, if you're telling your executive leadership team, you know, how many viruses that you quote unquote uh, blocked you know, uh, this month, that's the statistic doesn't mean anything, right? It doesn't mean anything to the executives. It, it actually doesn't really speak to what your program is doing from a risk perspective. Yes, you are mitigating some viruses, but it's more important to understand what's getting through and why, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and again, that's not a, that's the internal CISO statistic that I would use, but not something I would share with my board. That makes that makes total sense. How, if anything, would you say COVID nineteen changed Delta Dental's cybersecurity plan? I think the one thing that it has changed. We were fortunate in the sense that we were always uh, an organization that built with uh, kind of the cloud in mind. So a lot of our technologies are uh, cloud based, um, so that uh, they can work outside of the Delta Dental office, right? Mm -hmm. So we were very fortunate from that perspective. But what really did change is, uh, number one, kind of my role in leadership uh, in terms of handling the pandemic. I feel as though uh, the other executive leadership team looked for me to help provide that guidance uh, because as security leaders, we're really uh, well geared to have Uh, that discussion with the executive leadership team because we're used to handling incidents and crisis management. Uh, These are things that, you know, if you've been in the biz long enough, right, and I I would say just IT in general, right, you're used to kind of firefighting. You're used to, you know, diving in and spending days on end uh, figuring out solutions for complex problems. Mm -hmm. Um, And when it comes to the, the pandemic, right, we had to all kind of jump in and go, well, what do we do with our folks? You know, how do we support them? You know, what is the new look and feel of communication going to be? And so taking those existing skill sets that I had and 
and bringing those to the leadership for forefront, I think is one of the big changes that happened with me personally in our organization, kind of being seen as a, a thought leader in that specific space. The other piece is that, you know, we had to make changes to the way that our controls worked, right? With everyone working 100% remote, you know, that means that we had to lack some of our controls, such as allowing printing from home, uh, because, you know, no one obviously was printing in the office anymore, and some Mm -hmm. things just still need to be printed. Uh, And then the other side I would also look at is we had to make changes in terms of the way we communicate. Um, And so we wanted to make sure that at DDPA, we were informing our employees of what was happening kind of in the world, uh, making sure that they were getting good data, not only from a security perspective, from, but from a COVID perspective. So I partnered with our uh, my HR counterpart, and we held a weekly town hall where we would discuss uh, the pandemic. We would discuss you know different pieces of security that they needed to make sure that they were doing when they were at home. Uh, and this was all to make sure that they were still productive and not getting false information, right? Early on, there was a lot of false information about what COVID was or what it wasn't. Um, And there were a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of threat actors taking advantage of that, right? Putting up- Tons, tons of threat actors. Heat maps and, you know, those types of things, right? Um, And so when our employees was getting the information from Moz, they knew it was, uh, number one, something they could trust, and number two, it was secure. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of leads me into my next question. Human error can be a cause of HIPAA violations or data breaches. Does your organization require or encourage ongoing cybersecurity training for employees? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that is something that's uh, not only that we have on a yearly basis, but we have monthly phishing campaigns. We also uh, celebrate uh, Cybersecurity Month. Um, And then normally on a month-to-month basis, we do some sort of training, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not just all security for the workplace, right? We also talk about security at home. Uh, as well. And the reason we do this, and again, this is uh, really to help embed the culture of security and the mindset of security amongst everybody, is if people are thinking about, you know, securing their bank accounts or securing their personal PCs or securing their home routers, they're also thinking that when they come into the workplace, you know, what does security mean and things that they need to be aware of. So we kind of do uh, training uh, in terms of some of those home devices too, so that not only do they know what to do to secure at home, but they can use those same learnings and turn it around in the business sense as well. I've heard that piece of advice from many CISOs and many VPs of IT is if you can train your employees to bring their work practices home and, tr- and practice them there and then bring them back to work, everyone will be more secure and your IT will be more secure. Exactly. And then also, uh, it also, the other thing it does is it brings it home for people too, right? So um, it's one thing to think about, you know, securing your, you know, your password for your email at work. But if you're securing, you know, your kids' um, health records, right, or their personal bank information, right, that's, um, that's really kind of uh, makes it real for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way, you know, again, to your point, right, it, it brings it both ways. You touched on this a little bit when you said you you have monthly phishing campaigns. How does email encryption fit within Delta Dental? Uh, email encryption is uh, another important control that we have inside of uh, Delta Dental. Uh, we use it for our sensitive information. So not everything has to be encrypted, 
but we train our employees to understand what should be encrypted. The other piece that we have on top of that, uh, something that we're also uh, in the process of rolling out is around this concept of digital rights management, where we tag documents um, so that only certain people can uh, view them based off of the classification of those documents. Um, and then with that same technology, you get the right to revoke documents as well. So again, but we don't always focus on the security side of that. We also focus on the business practicality of that. So if you're doing things where you're sharing a document back and forth and you know it's, uh, it's something that you're collaborating with with a third party, when you get to that final state, you know what we tell our, our end users is, hey, you can revoke all of the drafts, right? So that people don't get that mistaken for the final copy anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or if that final copy has a end date, right, where uh, it's a contract, let's say, that expires, then we can also tag that inside the document to know, hey, this is no longer valid, right? Mm-hmm. And we have those capabilities. So, again, pushing not just the security portions of that, but also the practicality and how this actually can increase or make you more effective from a business perspective. That's a really smart idea. I tend to... Um sort of maybe aggressively kick people off of Google Docs after I have their sign off, especially if they don't work within my organization, because I don't want them to accidentally change something or still have access to something. So that is a really smart idea. I'm sure it frustrates some people, but it's better to be proactive than reactive, I think. Yeah, there was definitely some hesitation at first, but once people kind of get the idea and the concept behind it, they're like, oh, yeah. This there's makes a, so much sense. <laughs> there's, there's like just tons of use cases where this just makes a lot of sense. And then they start using it for that, right? And it's not that they have to use it for everything, right? Because you can have, you know, you can mark documents available to everyone, right? So that mm-hmm. it's, you know, anybody and everybody can log in. But again, just uh, continue to just drive that message of, you know, security and then, you know, business practice. Definitely. Uh, so when I was researching a little, I saw that Delta Dental has a training or an intern program for IT desk and help desk employees to understand cybersecurity. Could you elaborate a little more on this program for our listeners? You know, when I when I look at internship programs as a whole, I, I think it's a fantastic way for us to not only one, connect with our community, but B, uh, help build, um, you know, the, the skill sets that we need for the future, right? If you think about information security specifically, you know, there's a deficit in terms of the amount of skill set that we need uh, from an industry perspective. So mm-hmm. these types of programs really help us to build the skill sets that we would look for in the next generation of uh, folks coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I had a recent discussion with uh, some university students uh, uh, lately, uh, just actually just Tuesday. And you know, part of that discussion was, you know, get into these internship programs. They will help you find new jobs. They will help you decide which track you want to go in uh, when it comes to either IT or security, right? Because there's so many different areas that you can uh, live in this world of mm-hmm. technology. And it's not all technical, right? A lot of it is based on processes or technical writing. Um, a lot of the ITIL skill sets, you know, change and incident management, you don't have to be super technical at, you know, there's project management. So there's all sorts of different roles inside a information technology group. Um, and, you know, helping folks uh, go through that, um, ordeal and learning from the help desk is fantastic because you get iterated with so many different things. You know, me personally, you know, coming from that route, I, I, I know for, uh, for a fact. Exactly. Um, so now on a little more personal level, I know that you are extremely busy. How do you keep up with industry trends or best practices? Well, you know, I listen to podcasts like these. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. 
<laughs> uh, but you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of training everywhere when it comes down to it, right? So I meet with the vendors, partners that I have, right, and, and try to get kind of a heads up in terms of what they're kind of thinking um, in terms of their roadmaps and understanding what what direction they're taking. Uh, I attend conferences when I can, either virtual or in person back before COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learn from my peers. Uh, That's a fantastic place to also get connected is to make sure that you're growing your own network uh, from that perspective. Um, A lot of my peers help me to really streamline, you know, my technology choices, right? If I go and ask, hey, you know, what are you using for uh, endpoint detection and response, right? They'll tell me, hey, this is what we PLC, this is what worked for us and what didn't work and why we chose uh, XYZ. Uh, And, you know, that saves you tons and tons of time, right, when it comes to just tracking down which vendors you really want to kind of speak to. Oh, definitely. Word of mouth is the best research ever. And I don't, I think it's a very underutilized avenue. Yeah, I always, you know, back when I when I hired in here, you know, I told my leadership team, you're not just hiring me, you're hiring me and, you know, my network of connections that I have. So mm-hmm. even if I don't have the answer, I know someone in my network will, right? Yes, so, I will just shoot out a text message or an email and say, hey, who knows about this? And I will get a firsthand answer for you. Yeah. And that's why, that's why, you know, peer connecting is just so important, right? Uh, and to have those peers that you can really have these types of conversations with, because mm-hmm. it just makes you a better leader at the end of the day. It does. And it makes you a better employee for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Fred. I really appreciate uh, sitting down with me and interviewing. It was wonderful to hear your things about Delta Dental and about your background. Thanks, Hannah. Appreciate the time. Of course. resources on HIPAA compliance, healthcare cybersecurity, or how to prevent a data breach, please visit powbox.com slash blog. Our July social mixer is next Thursday. If you're interested in attending this free networking event, please send an email to Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H at powbox.com. Don't forget, Powbox Secure is back in person this year at the Park MGM in Las Vegas. Join us on September 29th and 30th for thought-provoking discussions around cybersecurity and healthcare. Albert Prest, CISO of Adapt Health, is slated to keynote. Head to powboxsecure.com for more information, early bird pricing, or to book your hotel. If you're looking to sponsor or to speak, please email me at hannah at powbox.com. As a friendly reminder, you can listen to every single episode of the Hypocritical Podcast on pawbox.com or subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hypocritical Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Trum, signing off.